Hello, and welcome to the Chest Journal Podcast, where each month we host a discussion with the authors of important articles from the current issue of the journal, adding context and commentary to the challenges facing clinicians in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce today's topic, here's your host, Dr. Alice Gallaudet-Marais. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Chess Journal podcast. I am Alice Gallo. I am an intensivist at Mayo Clinic and a social media editor for the journal. And it is my pleasure to uh, talk today with Allison Welch and Jet Gordon about their fantastic paper on access to lung cancer screening among American Indians and Alaska Native, a qualitative study. Welcome, Allison and Jed. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks a lot for having us. It's exciting to be here, and uh, uh, this is a really neat uh, opportunity for us. So thank you. So let's start with you telling our listeners a little bit about yourselves and what in your day-to-day work inspired you to to do this research and this line of research so we can understand about the background of of um, your project. Well, I'm going to let you go first and introduce yourself, Allison. I'm yeah. super fortunate to work with Allison for the last several years, and I want her to uh, uh, talk a little bit about herself, and then I'll jump in. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks, Jed. Um, hi, my name is Allison. Um, I've been, I'm a research associate at the Center for Lung Research in honor of Wayne Gittiger at Swedish Cancer Institute. Um, as a research associate, my day-to-day is mostly looking at, um, I do both, I just do research here. And what that means is that I look at and evaluate, um, how at lung cancer screening participation, um, for underserved populations, mostly in Washington state, um, through geospatial analysis and other, um, means. And so with this project, um, one of our guiding principles when we were looking to this is that, um, Jed and Candace, who's the research program director, um, did an internal review of Swedish and Providence Network. And what they found is that American and Alaska Natives are very much underrepresented um, when getting lung cancer screening and in our network, even though we reside in Washington State and we have one of the largest populations. And what they saw, and is just really incredible, is that... Um, the, they wanted to actually see, like, what, what are the reasons why American Alaska Natives were not receiving, you know, the necessary cancer screening that they may or may not need and looking into that. And so they were able to get this grant, and I was actually hired to work on this grant. And I was really excited because one of my main interests is looking at how we can improve um, health disparities for underserved populations. That's been one of my guiding research interests, as well as just, like, career goals is to look in the ways that we can actually improve health systems and improve quality of healthcare delivery. Um, so it's been really great to work in such a great, fortunate team. Just, Jed, just before you go, Allison is not just recent. Yeah, that was, I was going to say the same thing. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean... This is amazing. And, and yeah. again, research, research is allowing you to give a voice to, mm-hmm. to populations that not d- clearly don't have uh, the same uh, voice as everyone else. And you get to help even more people. So not just, sorry, Jed, I did not mean to interrupt you, but I had to say it. 
I no. I, if you didn't say yeah. it, I was going to say it. I mean, I hate to correct someone purely on their introduction, but absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. No one is just a researcher. No one's just a primary care doc. Just a general surgeon. I mean, everyone is uh, uh, having some huge role. So, without this research, we can't move forward. We don't know. Uh, we don't know what we don't know. And so, uh, yeah, absolutely, I took uh, uh, took issue with that as well. So, thank oh, you gosh. for bringing it up. This is a great start. Yeah, there you go. See. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, I, let me introduce myself really fast. Uh, my name is Jed Gordon. Uh, I'm an interventional pulmonologist, but I'm a pulmonary critical care doc by training. I did interventional pulmonary way back before it was cool in about 2005 uh, in Boston. And I've been out here at the Swedish Cancer Institute in the Department of Thoracic Surgery and Interventional Pulmonology ever since then. Um as an interventional pulmonologist, and I think this is kind of important for everyone to to think about, you know, our research is basically uh, kind of interwoven into our clinical day-to-day lives. Uh, I'm fortunate to be of the generation that lung cancer screening came of age. Um, so uh, being in on the ground floor of it being approved gave us the opportunity to study it and understand how uh, we're implementing it, what we're doing well, what we're not doing well. And we're sort of in an academic training community setting, which gives us uh, some unique perspectives. Um, so uh, we are at the Center of Lung Research in honor of Wayne Gittinger, as Allison said. And one of our main research focuses is on uh, early lung cancer detection. And I'm just going to uh, reiterate some of the points that Allison made, which is, you know, some of the best research comes from looking at your own work, right? Um, you know, you can start off as a quality initiative. You can start off kind of really being self-critical uh, and looking to see what you're doing because everyone thinks they're doing a great job unless they really dig into the details and prove that they're doing a great job. And so we started off, we instituted an operationalized lung cancer screening early. We were very active in it. We had a nurse practitioner dedicated to it. And then after several years of doing this, we began to look at our numbers and we had several thousand people to look at. And some of the things that we began to notice were that while we were screening many people, we had very limited minority representation. 3% of the American Indian population for the United States lives in Washington state. And we didn't have that degree of representation. People were only traveling seven miles to get their lung cancer screening. So we began to see that while we were screening people, perhaps we weren't really getting into the, some of the more underserved communities with some of the highest smoking rates, which we'll get into, uh, of any population in the United States. So I think, you know, our own work clinically informed some of our deficiencies and interests and need to kind of dig into these issues further. And that's kind of where we are, uh, where we are now. I love it. And I can hear the passion for this project from both of you. And to our listeners, if you please read the paper, because you can also read the passion um, on their uh, paper, which I love. Um, a little a little off topic, because you said something, Jed, that I, that I would like to dig into a little bit more, if that's okay. Did you guys also look into why... Uh, you, these patients were not coming. You did mention in a uh, distance, like physical distance, but but were you able to also look into why? 
So, uh, Allison, you can talk about this as well. So for the purpose of this paper, we do look at some of the barriers to screening specifically, and we can get into some of those when we get into the results. And I don't want to sort of jump into that kind of before, you know, we, we sort of delve into some of the other issues with it. But uh, access, which is not a monolithic thing, I want to be clear that when we talk about access and we talk about distance, um, uh, that that is not uh, the exclusive uh, barrier. Uh, but uh, one of the issues that has come up time and time again, and it came up in other areas of research that we've looked at with this, is uh, a barrier, uh, which is a distance barrier. Uh, we know that the distances that people uh, have to travel from some of these remote areas uh, in in Washington in particular is is pretty uh, significant. There are 18 counties uh, in Washington state that have no lung cancer screening sites associated with them. And we know that while large percentage of the American Indian population lives in urban centers, as most of the population does in general, still a significant portion lives in rural areas, uh, even in reservation, which are specifically designated lands, which makes it even more difficult. So there's there's a couple of issues that we can get into, which is access and distance, unique natures of the uh, health care and insurance issues related to this population uh, that have been specific challenges. So, Allison, I don't know if you want to jump in on anything specific. Yeah, uh, I think that did a really nice job of just succinctly explaining some of the broad barriers like the why question is just so broad because we know that there's like micro mesro and macro barriers in place for you know utilizing and accessing lung cancer screening and like so jenna made a great point of looking at how access via uh, geographic disparities is a significant role for this population but other really important roles is like when we look at you know physician barriers there's a lack of time uh, to discuss with their patients, lung cancer screening, they may not be primary care physicians are often burdened with having knowledge of guidelines or potentially referral patterns, especially when we're looking at rural clinics versus more urban clinics. There might be, you know, issues of like, like a, a giant population that, that's at risk, but they may be focusing on other health needs. So there's a lot of things that go into place into like reasons why lung cancer screening is not as high and adherence to, let's say, like cervical or breast cancer screening. But with this population, um, their healthcare system is a lot, is very much different it, from the traditional. They, um, um, Per the U.S. treaties, um, laws, as well as like lawsuits, um, the American Indian Alaskan population are guaranteed healthcare funding, and are like, are, um, and what that means is that there are a series of federal agencies that are meant to provide healthcare services, but a huge barrier within that is that the U.S. severely underfunds these agencies, so that somewhat very undercuts primary care services such as prevention. And so within that, it's not just an issue for patients to get to these services. It's actually just an issue for these patients to actually afford these services. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of considerations that have to be placed for like what is realistic for the individual, what is realistic for the physician, and what can communities can do about that. And so our paper touches on that a little bit. And I'm really grateful for the participants for being so open and honest. But there's a, you know, the why is a really huge, like, chasm to try to answer, if that makes sense. I love it. Yes. And uh, so on that segue, 
tell us about uh, your methods and particularly why you chose a qualitative method and why you chose um, the the um, moderators for the focused groups. Yeah, so we chose qualitative research in particular focus groups because it has enormous power in providing contextual insights on people's lived experiences of like policies and programs. And it also gives more agency to the population of like interest. And so with qualitative research, it's about generating knowledge. And what we know is that there is very little out there in the space of lung cancer screening participation for underserved communities. There's been one other paper published on this subject. And so we chose qualitative research because we wanted to have a better understanding of like what are, you know, the perspectives of lung cancer screening? Is this community concern? How is it being utilized? Things like that. Um, and so we actually partnered with a organization associated with Washington State University called IREACH. And what that stands for is the Institute for Research Education to Advance Community Health. Um, and they, um, one of their main focuses is in American and Alaska Native Health. And so working with this research organization, the majority of the individuals were um, indigenous themselves. And so I think that provided really great context and like allowing our research group to become one more familiar um, and knowledgeable about different ways to understand health and well-being. But it gave us a greater like space to contextualize, like how should we go forward? And one of the great things is that we did this at a conference called the National Indian Council of Aging. And the Irish team regularly attends this conference and they're well known there. And so we had an Alaskan Native moderator as well as an American Indian moderator working with us and, you know, establishing trust with the participants who are, you know, tribal community members and leaders. And so these individuals are there to, like, help learn about, you know, better ways to improve their community and, like, bring back health programs. Um, in addition to even having those moderators, I actually, um, I was one of the qualitative coders, and I also worked with another qualitative coder who was Indigenous herself. And those meetings were so... Um, incredible because just the amount of like knowledge that uh, Sarah London, the qualitative coder, provided and context for like, explaining things that like I missed and at these meetings was just really incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to add to that just, uh, you know, just briefly. Uh, it, to me, this is fascinating. And, and, and this is, um, you know, Allison has brought me kicking and screaming into this world. You know, many of us train in medicine and pulmonary critical care and are taught that, um, you know, the, the, the definition of research is, uh, measured in quantitative values, not qualitative values. My father spent his entire career at the NIH and I grew up, uh, with a basic science kind of, uh, family and, uh, social science uh, is something that is so powerful and critically important, but not necessarily something that, uh, you know, traditionally we've always uh, gone to. Now, so much more and more these days than in before. But when you're talking about lung cancer screening, when you're talking about indigenous communities, when you're talking about barriers, you have to get the voice of the person that's experiencing the challenge. Right. So you can submit a survey and you can you can you can quantify things on a survey. 
but to hear the voice of the people who are actually experiencing the challenge uh, that are uh, uh, telling you, I've never heard of this, or I, I knew someone that died from lung cancer. I mean, just hearing their experiences. So I, I think that there, that this is is really the starting point for us to better understand. It's not it's not numbers and curves and graphs. It's personal experience, personal challenge, and even heart wrenching stories, and piecing them together to try to find specific themes, and then we can act on those themes. And so I, I just think that this is a really powerful tool, and not to get too sort of emotional about it, but it's a super powerful tool and. And unfortunately, it takes people like Allison to bring me into this world kicking and screaming because emotion is something we were told uh, is not uh, uh, part of what we're supposed to be doing. So this is great. I love this. And I believe that emotion and vulnerability are extremely powerful. And I believe they make us better physicians, clinicians in general and researchers, clearly. Um, so thank you for being vulnerable and thank you for doing this amazing, important work. Allison, um, tell me about what you found. Tell me about your, your results. So we had three focus groups completed of 58 adults, um, and 89% of which um, identify as American Indian only, and they represented over 28 tribes located throughout the U.S., and some of the themes that were brought out is that we found that awareness for lung cancer screening is limited, but there are personal connections to lung cancer that did drive um, awareness for others and were huge advocates and proponents for bringing back cancer screening knowledge to communities. Um, we found that, you know, with this broad, there was a broad range of risk factors known for lung cancer. Um, but again, it's just the knowledge of the cancer screening was somewhat limited. And part of that, a huge, another thing that was brought up was barriers to lung cancer screening at healthcare facilities. And what that means is that there was a lack of educational and diagnostic and screening resources available, um, that the members listed. And I think that kind of goes back into, um, you know, the Indian, um, healthcare delivery system, which is called, um, I, ITU, so it's Indian Travel and Urban. And what that means is that this organization is like there's a variety of ways that um, American Alaska Natives who are part of federal, um, rec- federally recognized tribes are able to get health care. And the, one of the biggest barriers is, again, being underfunded. So, you know, going in to see their Indian providers, um, it's their ability to actually get things paid for. And so if they're dependent on, like, what type of um, services are available to them, which are geographically, again, um, dependent, there may be issues in place of, um, you know, actually getting a screening. And that was raised a couple of times, individuals saying that, you know, I do smoke, but I don't, but my physician never talks about anything past sensation. So it's just like that understanding, like if they there's you know screening is not available at their clinic, but they're also not receiving the referrals in place. Uh, another thing that was interesting that was brought up was this um, theme of mistrust of like academic and Western institutions, and that was actually brought up to our own moderators as well. They asked us why we were doing this research, and I think that's a really important part of like like research um, among our organizations is to understand that. For a millennia or so, like the U.S. federal government and 
medical system inflicted a lot of trauma and they continually still do and through like various means and implicit biases. And so, you know, looking at ways that we can improve clinical care and ensuring that people's like needs are being met in a safe and healthy way is really challenging. Um, and so this was, there was this really impactful part where there was this research coordinator discussing um, from the, um, like about them looking into a lung cancer screening research group trial, and they backed out because they were so fearful of individuals potentially taking their DNA and using it for something else. So it's just being really cognizant of like, what is our role in this place and how can we ensure that like the needs of the population in the community are being first? Um, and so those are really important things that were like brought out with this work. Another thing is that we also found out the ways in which individuals like South Healthcare and how their community um, have so many great protective factors at place. There are so many great, like, health, um, there was, like, transportation um, programs, health fairs, and individuals really talked about how they really trusted their physicians, which is really great. Um, but they also were quick to mention there are a lot of barriers. So, like, distance was a barrier that they talked about um, potentially. And then again, like the lack of knowledge, just not knowing about this and having personal experiences where they said, well, I knew somebody that had lung cancer, but they was misdiagnosed. So I think there's a couple of things in place that like, are still acting as barriers, but overall, I feel that this paper is like very promising because there was very much a hopeful tone that was conveyed in these focus groups. Yeah, no, I agree. And there's a couple of things that, you know, really resonated with me and, and some, and it goes back to, I think, the value of this type of, um, social sciences work and these sort of focus groups and hearing people's words themselves in the language they use. One of the things that the, a, a word that commonly, commonly comes up is the notion of elder, auntie, um, there's a real sense that these uh, community family bonds are blurred. And I think that if we understand this, these may be good opportunities for us to have entrees into these communities to understand how their structure is. And I think that their language helps to inform us of that. And, you know, Allison brought up the point that, you know, that people had lived the experience. We know that American Indian communities have some of the highest smoking rates by far of any community. And many of these people were touched directly by lung cancer and death from lung cancer. But this may have been their first entree into it, not through a discussion about screening. So if we understand the role of elders, the power that they have in community and the reverence for which they're felt, I think you can have an outsized potential impact with a community by targeting and identifying people. And I think the other thing is this notion of mistrust can't be understated. I mean, I think we have to we have to do all of our research with and in partnership with we are not doing research on a population. And we have to really change that pop that mindset, right? We're not doing uh you know, we're not doing research on a community. We are talking to a community we are doing research with that community we are invited in to partner on a solution uh and, and it's critical it, it really came out in this uh i think in these uh discussions and uh, uh for the american indian community but i think that's something that can be held as people look at at research and in, in other uh underserved and uh uh communities that are that are within their own uh, uh districts and cities and states and stuff so i think it's it's really important that we listen 
then go in, partner, then build a program. Uh, we, we have to do it together because the mistrust is deep and justified. I absolutely love what you said that we need to partner with them. And I absolutely agree. And this is beautiful. Was, was there anything in your results that surprised you either for good or for bad? I think uh, a result that surprised me, but in like in the best way possible was just the number of individuals talking about like advocating being like we want this immigration brought back to communities how can we do this do you have an advice like what can we do to like improve our communities and you know working in like a space where we're like evaluating health disparities we often look at things like in a health deficient way i think that's just kind of the nature of like public health and like clinical research but i really appreciated this project because it was so focused on what protective factors are in place? How can communities actually be built to improve, you know, like said risk factors or disparities in place? And so what I really loved is just the number of participants time and time again being like, I want to improve this community. I really care about our children, our future children. What can we do? And like, we want to bring this back. And I just, that to me was, you know, a very surprising and wonderful thing to see because again it can be sometimes depressing in this field where you just kind of see really sad statistic after statistic with like you know level of adherence to lung cancer screening um and some of the many many barriers in place but i that just gave me a lot of hope yeah i i i think i i i agree with that you know i think when you go to meetings and you talk, you hear so much of the responsibility for lung cancer screening rolls downhill, right? Um, you know, the, uh, as we decentralize lung cancer screening, uh, as we offload lung cancer screening, even to our electronic health records uh, more and more, uh, it, it sort of continues to roll downhill. What we noticed in this was the communities themselves were like, we want this. We need this. We want to partner. We want to educate. How do we educate? We want to get this back to our doctors. We want to get this back to our communities. And so, you know, medicine, we have this sort of roll downhill kind of how are we going to uh, disseminate this and almost this kind of fatalistic kind of uh, don't know how we're going to inform so many people. But the community themselves was was very um enthusiastic, wanting this, uh, and just uh, a hunger for, for knowledge. So I think that this is the kind of thing that keeps you going from a research standpoint and from a clinical standpoint, right? I mean, this is, this is what we, we hope for. We hope for communities that are engaged, and now it's our job to come back to those communities to help them. Love it. Absolutely love it. And, um, Tell me, tell me about like moving forward. What should clinicians do in their offices across the, the country and the world? And what is next for your team? Well, Allison, do you want to start and then I'll jump in? Yeah. So I think. You know, that's a, that's a really great question. So I think next steps for any organization that's interested in this, like, type of, like, work and this, like, w working with American Alaska Native populations is, number one, 
working in partnership, in concert with American and Alaska Native leadership through communities, through research organizations, there's such great work already being done. And there's such great individuals that are willing to work with health systems in place. Um, I mentioned briefly that there was another paper that was published in the subject, um, and they're actually out of Minnesota as well. And they partnered with the American Indian Cancer Foundation, um, and they actually even created a infographic looking for lung cancer screening for this pop- for American Alaska Native population. And so, you know, it's just like looking at what resources are currently available and. These communities are so motivated to improve community resilience that, you know, you know, what we can do is just provide the any resources available to them and allow them to take control. I think that's kind of the key is that um, health researchers need to take a step back and let communities to, like, address what communities first and foremost, and we provide support. Um, for ourselves, one of my main interests is, like, going more into the shared decision making process. Um, that research is somewhat mixed at times, I think. Um, and when we evaluate like lung cancer screen participation, it's mostly either at the clinician or patient bear, uh, in like levels. And what I'd like to do is actually evaluate how our health, how health behaviors are impacted um, through that process and uh, identify like what social support mechanisms may be at place um, in related to participation for too long cancer screening um, for underserved communities. I think that's something of like interest of looking at how we can better support um, these populations because we know that um, populations that are at risk for lung cancer, uh, they're considered, they often face a lot of stigma in health systems because they are either current smokers or former smokers and they may have more sporadic, you know, interaction with healthcare systems. So looking at ways that we can actually decrease stigma and improve communication, I think is really critical for health systems and for clinicians. I also just want to note that cultural competency can be understated, you know, understanding our positionality and constantly reflecting on like how our privilege and the ways in which that I, as a researcher, may influence or, you know, see a certain perspective has to constantly be questioned and um, to, to ensure that, you know, I'm doing, like, I'm doing the best I can to present, you know, information in a, you know, knowledgeable and I would say safe manner, if that makes sense. I think there's something to be said about ensuring that our work is, you know, doesn't punch down. It's always about strengthening. And I think looking at a strength-based system is what research should be going towards instead of just identifying disparities. It should be looking at ways that we can use and strengthen health systems, especially for underserved populations, because there's so much um, protective factors in place. Um, And so those are kind of my main interests moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm gonna, I'm gonna emphasize a couple things, uh, but I think, uh, what Allison said is spot on. I, I think, you know, f- f- as, uh, as someone who's interested in research, as someone who does clinical medicine, uh, as someone who sees, uh, people, uh, on a need blind basis, um, I think it's critically important to continue to remind ourselves uh that we need to understand the challenges 
that the person in front of you, obviously a lung cancer screening person is not a patient, but the individual in front of you being screened, the challenges that they bring to the table, right? I don't, I can be frustrated that rates of lung cancer screening are in the literature between 7 and 12, 14% and be frustrated. Why are people not being screened more? But then you go out and you realize, say, in Washington State with 39 counties and 18 of them not having any lung cancer screening sites, if you're working two jobs, you can't take off work to drive X number of miles to take a six-minute scan. It's just not feasible. So we are frustrated that people are not taking up this life-saving process, but we're not understanding either their cultural, their financial, emotional challenges associated with it. So number one, I think, is to continue to remind ourselves the challenges that people face, not the frustrations that I have that people are not taking advantage of what we've proven through science. And I I also just want to sort of give a shout out to Allison as well. I think what Allison is doing is phenomenal in taking this to the next step. She's very interested in this social science research and uh, even a concept called egocentric network analysis, where what she's saying is that, you know, individuals can have their challenges with a problem, whether it's screening, whether it's vaping, whether it's smoking. But really, the social network that's around them plays a huge role. And I think this paper sort of also emphasizes that the role of the family, the elder and the community. So I think Allison's future work looking at shared decision making and the role of the social network that sort of envelops people to help them come into lung cancer screening and not just come into lung cancer screening. Remember, people have to stay in lung cancer screening, right? Adherence, adherence in the NLST, 95%. Adherence in the real world, according to Gerard Silvestri's paper, which was published, is, is around the 20% range. So, you know, I think we need to to understand how a network will bring somebody in and how their social network will have them stay in. And then the last part that I'll, I'll answer to, to your question is that, you know, research pointing out problems and challenges is important, but relatively easy because there's so many problems and challenges. Uh, research looking at solutions is uh, really where we need to go. And so one of the things that we're working on is continuing to look at uh, Washington State. We're looking at um, our uh, census tracts, our uh, communities, where people live, where the highest smoking rates are, and really looking at potentially how we can introduce screening in the communities themselves. We're not going to build freestanding radiology centers, but maybe we can put uh, radiology on wheels and take it out. There's uh, uh, about four examples in the United States currently of mobile screening, uh, and I think that this is something that we need to really begin to understand, do in a responsible way, and potentially as one of the solutions to both the American Indian uh, remote rural communities and to other communities as well. So future, uh, future, future work in that area. I love your future plans. I look forward to read the solutions that your team is going to come up with. And I, for the record, remain committed to learn more about all of this, to become more cultural and social intelligent. That's what I'm going to call because I think I think our patients deserve that. And I will never be able to thank you both enough for joining me today. 
This has been an absolute pleasure and I learned so much. I hope our listeners also will learn as much as I did. So Jed and Allison, thank you so much for being with me today. And again, for our listeners, I spoke to Allison Welch and Dr. Jet Gordon about their paper on access to lung cancer screening among American Indians and Alaska Natives, a qualitative study that you can read at the journal chest. So, Alice, I want to thank you a ton for taking the time. And I, I would like to just have one second to acknowledge a couple yes. of people. Uh, one, first of all, I'd like to acknowledge the journal. I mean, I think that... Uh, uh, both uh, what you're doing and sort of getting this information out in multiple different formats, whether it's print or whether it's podcast, is super important. But the journal also recognizing this type of qualitative research is important, I think, is 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 fantastic. Um, so I, I really want to uh, uh, thank you for that. But I also want to acknowledge just a, a couple of people. Uh, you know, Allison talked about our partnership with the iReach group uh, and some of the specific researchers that work there. I want to also uh, uh, point out that uh, none of this work is is really possible without um, uh, grant support and funding. And we have received uh, funding from, uh, like I said, the uh, Center for Lung Research in honor of Wayne Gittinger. And we also received the Lung Ambition Alliance Initiatives in Lung Cancer Care uh, Award as well, which supported this. And so, um you know, what I would say to people out there is that uh, on that note, while we have some uh, grant funding, uh, we did not get funded on our first try. So keep trying. Uh, it's super important and it's super rewarding. Uh, so uh, always add a research component to your clinical career. And thank you. Allison, any final thoughts that you want to share? Um, I just want to say thank you so much for giving us this space to talk about this. I think, um, especially in clinical research, I'm somewhat of an outsider with my social science background, and I always enjoy working with clinician researchers like Dr. Gordon, as well as the rest in the thoracic surgery group. I think interdisciplinary like and transdisciplinary approaches to cancer prevention is really critical. And I just really enjoy working with such a diverse group of people. And I think that's one of the most important things you can really do in research is have a diversity of ideas and expertise there. And I think that it's what strengthens our research at the Center for Lung Research and it's what is how we also improve overall um, with looking at lung cancer screening participation. So again, I just want to thank Jess as well. This was really exciting to get this work out there. This has been a long time in the making, so... I'm just very grateful. I'm an early researcher, so um, it's always nice to, you know, be acknowledged and then as well as to kind of further, um, you know, grow as a researcher. So I just really appreciate the time and the space. I appreciate you so much. You're doing important work and stay curious. Keep doing what you're doing. You are amazing. And again, I'm so, so thankful that both of you donated your time um, to talk to me and uh, donated your time to our listeners. Thank you all so much again. And thank you to our listeners. Until next time. Thank you. Take care. Yeah, thank you.